Alvaro? Yeah, what's up? We're going to need to discuss some of the uh, terms of your contract. What do you mean? What's wrong with my contract? Well, I'm not really making enough of the money. So we're going to have to increase my royalties on this podcast so that I take more money um, for myself. You know, because I'm the manager. um, I help book the guests. I help uh, book the guests. And, you know, I... I spend time with you. So I I I think I should I think I should be compensated more for that. Wow. I got to tell you I did not see this coming. Yeah, I'm not going to give you more money cuz we're not even making any money really. So like there's nothing I have to give you. I mean, you can leave. I can book the podcast on my own. I mean, it's really not that hard. Especially this podcast, by the way, which I basically just like sat in a park and waited for someone to come sit with me. So I don't really like need you anymore. So you're fired. Oh, I didn't, I didn't really expect things to fold out in that way. Um, kind of thought I had more leverage than that. All right, I'll leave quietly. Wow, okay, well, now Alvaro Enterprises is now one person smaller, which means we have a total of one employee. Anyways, as I was saying, this podcast, I'm kind of excited about it because I basically just sat in a park. I literally went to Boston. I made a sign. I went into an alley, first of all, found a piece of like plywood and then wrote on that and then sat on a park bench for like 40 minutes waiting for somebody to come talk to me finally this guy sat down his name is drew you'll learn about him as the episode unfolds and i don't know i mean i don't really think i need to say anything else about the episode other than that it was nerve-wracking to sit down with like someone I just did not know at all. So I really hope that like you enjoy this because this is kind of like the type of podcasting I like to do. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love sitting down with the people I know and my friends and all that. But I also really, I mean, I just, I love the thrill of sitting down with a stranger, basically. That doesn't mean that I won't do a podcast with people I know from now on. It's just... I think you should expect these kinds of podcasts more. So anyways, I I think I'm just going to leave you alone to listen to the podcast. So enjoy. Yeah. Are you from Boston? No, I'm not. Where are you actually, from? I'm from Michigan. Oh, cool. Yeah. I was actually in Michigan like not too long ago. Really? Where were you? Um, I was visiting oh, Monroe, okay. Michigan. Yeah. My yeah. girlfriend is from there. Um. So I was like visiting her out there and she was like moving out her family and shit. So nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Michigan originally. Uh, and I live in Chicago right now. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. How come you're, you're in Boston? I was visiting, uh, f- visiting for work. So I work at, uh, Oh, right, actually. Yeah. Right up the street. And we just kind of, we had a lot of people working remote. 
So we all, everybody on the team kind of visited for this week. Oh, that's awesome. What do you do? I'm a software engineer. Oh, damn. That's so cool. Uh, can you tell me more like about that? Like, do you like the job? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. I, uh, I guess I probably don't want to give like too talk like too much about it, but yeah. Um, yeah, I really enjoy it so far and I'm big into, even before I started working here, I've, I've always been really into sports and especially sports betting. So yeah, it's, I, I, li- I love working there. Is so it? Far. Is I've it only like, been there about four months, oh, okay. so, but uh, love it so far. Is sports betting legal in mass? No, it's not. Okay. So what is it? So, but does it have like an office in Boston or something? Yeah. Headquarters is literally one block from where we are sitting. Oh, that's, it's interesting that like their headquarters is in a state where it's illegal to sports bet. Yeah. Yeah. They, well, they started off as daily fantasy, uh-huh. not necessarily sports book and casino kind of came later. So, and uh, the daily fantasy is legal in most states. So. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, what is it that you guys, what is it that you guys do in Boston if, like, it's illegal here? Well, it's an online sports book. Yeah. So, even though it's not legal here, I mean, a lot it, of the you know, development teams are still working here. Um, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It's only legal in actually, like, 12 or 13 states. Yeah, I know. It. Uh, hopefully soon they'll, like, legalize it. Yeah, I think it's supposed to. I think they're somebody in Massachusetts introduced a bill to legalize it, so it might be coming. Yeah, hopefully soon. I mean, we just got our first casino, so hopefully at some point that that will become Encore? legal. What's up? Encore. Yeah, casino. yeah, yeah. I was hanging out with some some of my coworkers last night, and they were thinking about going. Oh, it's 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 a cool place. They have like a club there and everything. We we had a a senior event week for my for my school there. We like they like shuttled us out there, and it's. I didn't have enough money to bet really because like a lot of the minimums are like 50 bucks or something like that. So yeah. I'm too afraid of like losing that much money. Yeah. I'm not as much into the casino betting game. You know, I like the entertainment of sports and gambling on that. But one time back in college, I guess I have more money to be able to do that now, but back in college threw down a hundred dollars and some chips and lost it in like less than an hour. And it like, tables, it, it like tainted and, the experience for you. Right. And I'm like, I'm, Back then, I'm like, I just worked too hard for my money to just be thrown it away like yep. that. Like, that was the quickest $100 I've ever lost. And then... <laughs> Must have been a shocking moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you go to school, like, anywhere around here? Or? Uh, I went to school at the University of Michigan. Oh, cool. I actually applied there. Um, I didn't get in, but I've heard it's, like, a great place to go to school, aside from the cold-ass weather. Yeah, it's it's very cold. But, uh, yeah, I've been – I sort of grew up, like, a really big Michigan fan – my dad went to Michigan. Pretty much my whole family has gone to Michigan. Um, so, yeah, I'm a really big Michigan sports fan all around. And Football, mainly? Yeah, yeah, football and basketball. Okay, cool. Did you ever play football? No. Okay. I played a little bit, but I was I was pretty bad. But it's a fun sport, aside from, like, a couple concussions here and there. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else you can tell me about yourself? Uh, I don't know. What do you want to know? Um, like how old are you? 23. Oh, so you just got out of college? Yeah, I graduated probably, I mean, about a year and a half ago, I guess. Oh, cool. May, I, May of 2021. I just graduated myself too. Nice. Do you have any, uh, like words of wisdom for a recent graduate? Words of wisdom for a recent graduate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would just say, uh, focus on building good habits throughout your life, both in terms of physical and mental health. 
I would say. Um, you know, a lot of people in college get into really bad habits because in many social circles, it sort of gets normalized. And, yeah. Um, you got to break out of some of those. And also for a lot of people, it, it, you kind of, you turn 18, you sort of think of college as like living an adult life. Right. But then you graduate and you're like, oh, this is This real. is actually adult This life. is like actual adult life. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, uh, definitely am trying to like build some of those good habits. I had them actually like, a l- I feel like I had those good habits in college a lot more. And now that I'm out of college and I've had this summer off, a lot of those habits have actually kind of died down, even though I'm not in that like environment. Like what? Um, I guess like, like I still do exercise, but it's it's much more rare. Like I don't go to the gym as much, and like like I do a lot of yoga, but not so much anymore. So I think the free time has almost kind of like made it easier to not do those things. I don't know why. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's tough, man. Building habits is tough, and especially keeping them up. I know, right? Yeah, you got to have that discipline to, like, Mm -hmm. keep showing up day after day. Um, Is there, like, something... Is there something that you, like, really love about yourself? Um, I guess I think of myself as a pretty optimistic person Mm -hmm. and uh, just sort of go with the flow, kind of. Um, Actually, like, my flight today was later in the afternoon and a lot of the other people that were, like, in town and I've been hanging out with the whole week sort of just uh had had like really early morning flights yeah so i've just been kind of walking around today seeing what's up i went over to mike's pastry oh yeah huge i'm a huge cannoli guy oh yeah yeah, my favorite desserts it's like one of the most hyped up like pastry places in boston i think yeah yeah it's the it's like the og cannoli place it really i don't really know what the story i just started telling has to do with me being an optimistic person but um like you made you kind of like rolled with the punches yeah my flight got delayed as well yeah it's supposed to be at like four now it's until like seven i think oh oh, wait you're leaving today or did you just get here today okay okay okay, cool are you where are you flying back to chicago oh cool, cool cool yeah i would definitely say i'm an optimistic person um Actually, I don't know. I, I'm very like critical, I'm, uh, like on myself and like hard on myself. So I guess like I'm optimistic when it comes to like helping people with their problems and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I guess when it comes to me, like not mm-hmm. as much. You know. You familiar with uh, Stoic philosophy at all? Uh, like vaguely. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like you just said, like self-critic, tolerant with others, but critical of of self. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of blanking on me right now. I can't really go into like much more of it, but like, uh, guy's name is uh, Ryan Holiday. He's an author. He's like a big stoic, not necessarily a stoic philosopher of himself, but just like writes books extracting from a lot of like ancient stoic philosophy. Oh, okay. Is it is is the stoic philosophy kind of to just like be kinder to yourself? Is that like what um, it is, or are you supposed to be like hard on yourself? Not necessarily hard on yourself. I would say the the general uh, misconception of it, I would say, is that, like, it's just sort of emotionlessness and just, like, push through whatever hard obstacles. But it's it's more of, like, um, accepting that a lot of things are out of your control mm-hmm. and just focusing strictly on what you can control and, you know, like re- and try not to, like, blame others or blame circumstances or, like, wallow in... Self-pity. Yeah, self-pity. That's a great word for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely have a little bit of a... I definitely do that sometimes. Like, when things don't go your way or something like bad happens, it's easy to, like, sit in that 
because it feels good almost. I feel like when you feel shitty about something that happened, it feels good to like bring up those like self pity thoughts because it is. I don't know, like it validates mm-hmm. almost like that shitty feeling. So it's hard to snap out of it. Yeah, I would used to like see him like on Instagram a yeah. lot, and then eventually I just I bought his book. He's got the, he's got several books. One of them's called The Daily Stoic, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just literally got a page for every day with like a excerpt from a Stoic philosopher, and then sort of an explanation in kind of a modern context of how to apply this in your daily life. Yeah, that's I super feel like important. that just goes back to the like building habits thing. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I, I kind of like have experienced a lot of similar ideas through like meditation because I think that that's kind of like the same thing. Like meditation is basically just like like not letting like your inner chatter take control of you and like learning to like stay grounded in that moment and what you can do, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there definitely seems to be something to that. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I was for for a second I thought I had my backpack on me and I was about to like pull out the book but I don't it's back at it's back at my hotel but um, yeah no it's it's definitely like something to something that just can generally improve your mental health when you realize a lot of things are out of your control and focusing on the things that are in your control and how you react to things around you can really benefit you a lot oh yeah no totally and one of the bases of this in general that's really good is that like a lot of these ancient people think of like philosophers as like if you thought of a if you just asked the average person like even just walking around this park what like a philo- a typical philosopher looked like they would think of like college professor nerdy guy very stoic and, maybe well yes but kind of but like um i just mean like they would not think of like somebody i don't know they wouldn't think of like an everyday working man or like somebody really powerful whereas like a lot of these stoic philosophers that had this mentality were like like marcus aurelius Mm -hmm. was like one of the most powerful men in the world right and like one of the books that um this author ryan holiday takes from and like is also just good on its own is his book meditations Mm -hmm. it's basically like his journal it's like the most powerful man in the world right journaling and like We and like not intending like most books, it's one of the only books really that like didn't have an intended audience. Like most almost all books have at least at least some sort of intended audience that they're writing for. He's literally just journaling. He would probably be not happy to know that we even like. I know. Right. It's like your innermost thoughts and things. Mm -hmm. That's so cool. I I had no idea that he pulled from that. Yeah, I'm kind of regurgitating a lot from... Uh, he went on Joe Rogan recently. Oh, I love Joe Rogan's so, podcast. So, yeah, if you listen to that episode, exactly what I just said, you'll you'll hear, you'll hear that. Oh, that's like, awesome. A lot of other stuff. Are you a big fan of Joe Rogan's podcast? Uh, I definitely used to be a little bit back in the day, but... Um, and I still listen to it occasionally now when, like, there's a big guest on that I, like, really want to hear from. But it kind of got really a lot worse during COVID. Mm-hmm. Why? He just like would constantly. He would mainly just have on like people he was close with, and like which is just like a lot of other comedians. And he would still have on other interesting guests, but like would constantly just divert the conversation to like COVID and lockdowns. And oh shit. yeah, and yeah. He does. He does do that a lot. Like he. I feel like he's kind of like a meathead in a sense. So sometimes I feel like he steers the conversation to like things that he like knows very well in that sense and he has like i've noticed that too that that he has like a lot of guests that are just like in his own kind of like genre like comedians fighters and then like i think that's like that is like his main crowd really 
Yeah, I I do think it would be a lot better if he had like very random people on that like were obviously like experts in their profession. Like he had like um what's the name of that Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yeah, yeah, like people like that. Couple times. Yeah, like people that like that that are like experts in something he knows nothing about. Yeah, he does have that a lot. And also, I feel like one thing um, he used to do more of at least was like certain people that would come in. He would like challenge them on their beliefs and like push back a little bit. And now it seems like he just kind of like agrees with whatever they say. Oh, like he'll have like, and then maybe that's just my interpretation, but it definitely seems like that when it comes like he's had. I mean, he's had like Bernie Sanders on. Oh, that one was also awesome. Had like Ben Shapiro on, and he just kind of like agrees with them both. Yeah, it's like these are so so opposite. diametrically opposed. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I guess like him, and just- that's kind of like the average person. I guess can get along with most people. Right. But my end disagrees with them on certain issues, disagrees with Bernie on some issues, disagrees with Ben Shapiro on some issues and can get along with them. Everything's fine with that. But like he's very agreeable. And I guess some people have a lot of criticism of that because like he has so much influence. Yeah. He has such a high viewership. Whereas like he's still just like a normal guy. Right. He doesn't really give a fuck about his influence. Yeah. No, that's that's so interesting. It's almost like his agreeableness makes it really makes it almost boring. Yeah. In some aspects, it really does. Yeah, it does take a certain kind of person to be able to like, especially because like he does have people on that he's never met. So to like be able to disagree with people like that is like, it's hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's also impressive, honestly, how he just like sits down with somebody he's never talked to and keeps conversation yeah. for like four hours. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely it's definitely a skill. It's very scary also because like, like I for the longest time, my podcast, like the whole thing about it was like that I would go on with no preparation like I wouldn't think of any questions or like anything because there was something about the structure that like turned me off like it made it seem like it was too formal in a sense so I would go on and I would like it would just be like like no questions or anything it would just be with my friends so less pressure but still like when you go on with no preparation like to make like a conversation flow out of nothing it's like it's brutal sometimes because you hit these inevitable like silences and then you're like, uh, like, what do we talk about kind of stuff? Right, right. So, so you, yeah. said you, you said you graduated recently, right? Yeah. So what did you like study? What do you do now? I, uh, I majored in mechanical engineering. Okay. But uh, freshman year, I was an econ math major. And then I like impulsively switched into engineering because I don't really know why. I think I just thought it was boring or something. Um, so I majored in that and... Uh, this summer I was really just like looking for a job. Um, and I actually just got a job in North Carolina. Nice. So Oof. just, who are you working for? Uh, American tower. It's like this telecommunications real estate company. So they just like lease out like huge telephone poles to like big communications companies so they can use it with their infrastructure and stuff like that. Nice. Nice. Is that, would you say like what you study in mechanical engineering or like what you're going to be doing going forward is like a passion of yours or is it more of just like pays the bills it's a good occupation um i would say it's definitely not a passion but i don't think i picked it because it pays the bills even though being an engineer does pay the bills right um so it's definitely not a passion i mean i've tried to make engineering my passion like i've tried to like sit down and do like these little engineering projects on my own but it, it always ends up not being fun so shit <laughs> So, yeah, no, um, but I guess we'll see. Like, I haven't actually dipped my toe into the industry, so it's impossible to know if you actually like something until you actually do it. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Did you, ever, did you have like any internships at all during college? Yeah, I had one. I worked as like a stormwater intern. So just like a lot of field work, like going out and sampling water and stuff like that. And that was enjoyable. I mean, the people were nice, which is what makes a job. Like it's a big part of what makes a job like worth it. If like the people you're with are like nice people. Right. Yeah. What about you? Did you see yourself getting into like early on or like not how did you arrive there? Not necessarily particularly, but um, software engineering or like computer science, computers in general. I've kind of always had like computers in general. I've always had great interest in like from since I was a kid, always been really into computers, kind of video games and like how computers work like it's always obviously been like sort of a mystery right and then like i figured out um at some point in my childhood that you could just like build computers Mm -hmm. like from components and i was like oh i'm trying to build a computer (laughs) but obviously they're really expensive um and then i also heard that like computer scientists um computer science majors and stuff going into the industry made a ton of money i'm like oh that's that's also cool huge plus um so yeah, I like, and sort of when I tell people I build computers, they think that's like what I studied in computer science. Mm-hmm. It's actually like totally different. So like building computers um, from like sort of the individual components you could like go buy at like Best Buy or something is just mainly just like a fun hobby for like, essentially you can sort of like, uh, do you play video games at all? Uh, not too much. Mainly like Call of Duty. Call of yeah, Duty. yeah. But like, so... Um, if you like put together a lot of good components for a PC, you essentially have like almost like a console. Right. Like you can play games like you would on a console, but it's just like w- way better experience. Right. Sort of. It's more expensive, but it's worth it. Um, yeah, it can be worth it, especially because you don't have to pay for like the online subscription. Right. Right. Yeah, that is um, a huge turnoff. But then like you go into computer science, and it like goes deep into how all the software works on a very basic level. Um. Yeah, I was going to say, like, building a computer seems like much more hardware and, like, mechanical-based. Yeah. Whereas, the, like, a computer science degree is much more, like, coding. Right. And really, stuff. The, the building of the computer, like, people get intimidated by it. But really, once you have, like, all the parts picked out, it's kind of just, like, Legos for adults. Yeah. That's what I've heard people, like, compare it to. Because um, it's really not that difficult. I mean, it's just, like, you open this part, plug this cable in, plug the... you got to be careful with some of them occasionally, yeah. but... It's not too difficult, whereas, like, computer science is, like, it's a whole other realm oh my of, God. like, how the shit works. And it's honestly insane when you think about it that, like, we have all these devices that, like, at their base, most basic level are, like, silicon and are just, like, conducting electricity. Yeah. Like, it's fucking it's insane. It's infinitely complex. Like, even just your phone, like... Like, we just figured out how to, like, cast electricity through rocks yeah. and minerals. Yeah. And now... And now We're it's doing this. this. Yeah, I know. It's fucking crazy. Cloud computing, all that shit, Bluetooth. Yep. Yeah. Was there like a particular aspect of your degree that you liked a lot, like learning computer science? Is there- honestly, I feel like I liked almost all of it. Mm-hmm. Like it was honestly towards the end, like I really liked a lot of my classes because by the end you're just kind of doing solely the computer science classes. Yeah. Like, a lot of the other semesters, it's like, I've got these two computer science classes, which a lot of other people think is like, oh, my God, these, at uh, Michigan, they were called EECS. Mm-hmm. It was the, like, class was like, code was electrical engineering and computer science. Yeah. So it's called EECS, and people would be like, oh, EECS classes are so brutal. But, like, when I have the two EECS classes, a math class and a physics class, those other two are so much harder. Yeah. 
and so much more work. Whereas once I go into the EGS class, it's just like relaxing. I just get oh, to chill. interesting. And like also, I would also never really have to like take notes, really. That's nice. It was nice. always very like intuitive. Right. It was, right. Really, it was never any like memorization. I never oh. had to like memorize things. It was more of just like how the concepts work. Oh, that's so cool. I've heard from my friends because I, I have a couple of friends that are in computer science and like the amount of like negative things that I've heard about the computer science major is like much more than engineering. Like I feel like in my head it sounds way worse than engineering. Like what are the complaints? Um, I've heard that like the grading is really, really strict and that it's just like really, really long problem sets. So like engineering is also like that. Like there's problem sets, but they're like shorter and like they're not that hard to do. But I've just heard from like my friends that like the computer science like problem sets were just like brutal. Like it would take them all day to so, do. So like are there problem sets? Like do you, are they like writing code for the problem I think sets? so, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Because like in my experience, I guess maybe this just might – obviously it might be a little different from school to school. But um with ours, like, really, you wouldn't get a lot. You'd get, you'd obviously have exams, which are worth a lot, and then you'd have a couple big projects. Right. Like, probably in a semester, anywhere from, like, maybe four to six. And the projects are really, in general, I would say it's, like, more time-consuming than it is hard. Yeah. Because you're just spending, you you spend so much time working on the projects and just iterating on them kind of over and over and improving. Because in many cases, it's sort of like, you write some code and then you submit it on a website and it like sort of automatically grades it. There's like, it's called literally the auto grader. Right. And then it gives you your score and you're like, Oh, I got a 50. I got to work on this a lot more. And, um, so really it just ends up being really time consuming going through that. Yeah. But like that comes back to learning the concepts is that once you've done the projects, you've kind of learned it all through right. like practice. You know, right, you've, right. you've learned it by through experience. And, like, I feel like I no longer would even really need to study for the exams a lot. Oh. Because I, I already learned it all through, you know, the projects. That's cool. Um, at your job, like, what – I don't know, like, a lot about computer science, but, like, what kind of software engineering do you do or programming do you do? Uh, front end. Okay. It's called fr- – There's so within, like, web development per se, there's sort of, like, front end and back end engineering. Yeah. The front end is sort of the code that – usually um goes from in any in most cases with anything programming usually you are writing source code which then gets compiled down in some way to machine code that sort of gets run that eventually makes its way all the way down to like zeros and ones right that is literally just getting executed in like on bare metal so to speak um or I guess in this case, a front end, it eventually all gets compiled down into uh, these two languages, HTML and JavaScript, mm-hmm. which is what your sort of your browser, yeah. like what Google Chrome is downloading from a website and then sort of interpreting and rendering as right. like the website. Right, right, right. So I'm writing like some of the the visual markup that you see like when you open up DraftKings mm. and also um, a lot of the sort of logical code that goes into like filling out forms on the website and okay. validating like that, like simple, very simple things like, um, like if, when you're typing in a password field and yeah. as you're typing, it says like, Oh no, it needs to be longer. Yeah. Like something as simple as that right, which right. is pretty simple and seems simple because it is, but also like a lot more complicated things in terms of like 
when you register and then it sends a request it sends like a web-based request to another server which which you'd call the back end right and then gets certain error responses and how sort of the whole flow works together wow that's fascinating i have like a little bit of experience with html and css like i i remember when i was younger i tried to make it like a I actually tried to make a search engine, but I didn't realize that making a search engine is actually like hard as fuck. Yeah. So really all I ended up getting was just like the front page with like the search bar. And then I did like a, like a login modal or a, some sort of like login thing. But that's really the extent. I never learned any JavaScript or anything like that. Interesting. I don't know how I, that's, I'm even more confused how you tried to make a search engine without JavaScript. <laughs> Well, that's when I started. I, I yeah, I know. Oh, I, I later found out that you can't do that, and, <laughs> and it didn't work. End up working out, but it's super interesting. I, I I find that like doing like coding is, it's really enjoyable because it's like very detail oriented problem solving. Like you're yeah. literally working through one line, seeing what the output is, and then like, so oh, this is fucked up. Got to go back like even further right. or whatever. So I I always had like a bit of. Like I, I had a lot of patience for it because it was, it was like easy in a sense, but not easy. It was yeah. just, you know, people, I feel like think of it because it's sort of, you know, it's in obviously the STEM category. Yeah. It's like computer science, the S, but also like technology and engineer, I guess, you know, it really encompasses a lot of, you know, what you call STEM. So people think of it in the category of like doing math or something, but it really just is creative problem solving yeah i mean once you sort of have learned the basic concept of what different you know things in the programming language do once you've solidified that it's sort of like you know you're learning arithmetic and then you eventually make your way up to learning like calculus right you learn the basic uh building blocks of you know programming to program line by line and then it just evolves eventually yeah orchestrate into entire programs yeah and that's one thing like that really comes up is that like a lot of times, you know, people would be surprised to hear that like I would be working on a project like while smoking weed right. in college. Yeah. They'd be like, oh, you're doing it while smoking weed? I'm like, yeah, I'm really stuck on this bug. Mm. And like I need, I'm like, I'm, it's just a mental block. Like yeah. I'm not sitting here grinding on math problems for hours. Right, right, right. I like, I need to figure out a creative way to solve this problem. Yeah. So like, why not? Yeah, right, right, right. That's hilarious. Yeah. I find that smoking weed actually makes it harder for me because I, I don't yeah, know. It depends. Sometimes it feels easier, but I feel like a lot of times I end up like, like it feels very interesting, but I don't actually get a lot done, you know? Yeah. No, I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> I absolutely agree. You got to you gotta know what you're getting into. Yeah. Like, like if you're going to have to grind out just a bunch of code, then maybe it's not the best. But if you just got a couple things you need to tweak or some some debugging that yeah. you need to do, it can be helpful. Okay, interesting. Um, what would you say the work atmosphere is like? Um, it's pretty chill, I would say. Uh, or obviously, it can get hectic, um, especially like there's a big um, sort of a big push at this time of year to get either any new features that we want ready to go or like issues that we've been having like bugs really fixed yeah because um week one of the nfl is like the biggest time. time of the year yeah. like absolutely biggest time of the year um by far i guess you've also got like the super bowl but like week one of nfl is just an insane time in terms of like traffic and business for right. us 
So, like, we will literally... I feel like I don't even want to talk about this as much. Because, mm. um, like... Of course, yeah. Not, yeah, it's kind of, like, private. No a worries, little, in yeah, a way. yeah. But overall, just, it's a really hectic time. Yeah. So, like, you know, we want to make sure everything's out the door. But overall, like, work-life balance is good. Okay. I mean, I feel like I honestly... Some people say, like, oh, I'm more productive in the office. And, um, and you know, hey, much love to for, like, flying me out for the week. But I was probably a slightly less productive this week than other weeks because it's, like, generally people probably, like, I think this week, towards the end of the week at least, I would be getting there 840 maybe mm. and be the first one in the office. Oh, wow. And everybody's usually gone around 5, if uh-huh. not a little earlier, so... That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I kind of figured it would be like a, a bit of a chill atmosphere because I feel like it, uh, the type of person that would work is obviously someone that loves sports and like loves to hang out and like. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it must be like a, a cool environment. Do you guys do you guys ever work with Barstool at all? Uh, Barstool has their own sports book. Oh, okay, okay, so okay. I don't, I don't believe so. Okay, okay, cool. I guess I was just uh, curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you think that you'll stay for a long time? Um, probably. I would say uh, pay is pretty decent, and I really like what I do right now. Um, we've got a lot of exciting things potentially to work on in the future. To go back to like sort of the work atmosphere um, in general, I would say like a lot of these tech companies um, have you know similar atmospheres, and also like in terms of like going to the office and there's like a lot of free lunches provided occasionally there's like free snacks free drinks whatever free coffee anything like that which is great and also when it comes to that like i hear a lot of people like i don't know if it comes from like there are definitely places where this is the case or if a lot of these people are just complaining out of like jealousy that they don't have these things at their office yeah but like there is sort of uh a thought a way of thinking beyond that that's like they're providing you all these free things so that you stay at the office longer and mm-hmm. therefore you're being exploited. <laughs> right. But I'm like, I literally left the office every day at five this week. Yeah. Wait, and you like getting never... a snack doesn't mean you'll stay at the office an extra hour. Right. Well, yeah. Some like Google will literally, this is not quite as jump the shark in terms of amenities as some of the other tech companies yeah. like Google. I know will literally, I mean, they have like kitchens with chefs in them that you can literally eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There oh, okay. I see. So, so there really is like, they try to make it so that you want to stay. Exactly. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. I, I, I get, I have never actually been to a Google headquarters, but from every movie or everything I've ever seen, it, it looks like a play zone. Like there's like slides and shit and like, yeah, they try and make it like, have you ever seen the show Silicon Valley? Yes. Yeah, like yeah. the whole like Hooli campus. Yeah. That's like really how they are. Right. Like, right. It's right. not really exaggerating. Yeah. Like, I love that show. Yeah, the show's great. So funny. Um, just so you know, you are you can like leave whenever you want to. I I don't. For just, sure. Yeah, For just sure. so you know, because I feel like if I jumped on some random person's podcast, I feel like I would not. I would feel like I would feel hesitant to like say, okay, yeah, like I'm done now. Like <laughs> I want to go. Like wow. Hey guys. Um. I didn't really expect this um, when I offered this to Drew, but yeah, he left. He's gone. Um, so 
this is the end of the podcast. So I'm 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 really sorry about that. I I really didn't think that he would just up and dip. Nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. He stayed around, but I figured I'd mess with you guys. But now that we're uh now that I've basically interrupted the podcast, this is a perfect time to talk about my new product that I'm releasing at Alvaro Enterprises. It's called Waste Bandits. Waste Bandits are amazing. That's right, Waste Bandits. I use Waste Bandits all the time. Now, what is a Waste Bandit? That's a great question. A Waste Bandit is an elastic that you put around your waist that squeezes really tightly like a corset and literally forces your metabolism to skyrocket so you burn fat. Now, I know what you're thinking. This seems a little bit sketchy, but don't worry, it's backed up by thousands of years of research. That's right, thousands of years of research. So don't even bother looking this up to see if it's true or if it's not true. Just buy it. It's called Wastebandit. Buy it at alvaroenterprises.com. Now back to the podcast. Yeah. No, it's no worry. I, I mean, like I said, You're just chilling. flight is, yeah, flight is later this evening and got plenty of time to kill. So. That's awesome. Um, what is Chicago like? I've never been, but it looks like a really cool place to live. Yeah, it is. Um, it's good because like one of the things that I would think of is that like for as big of a city it is yeah. as it is, it's like shockingly almost like cheap. Like it's still kind of expensive, mm-hmm. but like compared to like Boston, like this this city's definitely significantly more expensive. Yeah. Um, and like New York and San Francisco, it's like oh my not God. even close. Those places are ridiculous. Yeah. So like it's honest, honestly, like in terms of rent, can be relatively cheap to live there, which is really nice. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like I really like living there so far. Although I mean, Boston for the week I've been here is pretty nice. I'm definitely. It is. You know, it's it's smaller, right, than Chicago? Uh, I think so. Yeah, this seems like this is this like it seems a little bit smaller because like you can, from what my coworkers were saying, it's like very walkable, mm. which I would agree in Boston. Yeah, very much but, so. Like, yeah, they're like, yeah, you could make it from, you know, th- like way over on the north end, yeah. all the way down to the south end, or yeah, yeah, and like not that much time, yeah. Right. Whereas like Chicago, I mean, I guess you could do that, but like. There's also a lot of public transportation mm. options in Chicago, which is really good. Um, some of them have not been as good lately. Like, definitely since COVID, there's not as many, like, buses and trains that run. Oh, yeah. So it can be a little more annoying when you have to wait a little longer. But um, but there's still a lot of good options, which a lot of, like, cities don't have. Right, right, right. Like, I was thinking about moving. At first, when I graduated from college, I... Uh, I was working remotely for a different different company, so I really, I I didn't want to like stay at home and live with my parents. I didn't really need to move out, but I made enough money where I was like, yeah, I'm gonna move somewhere. Right. I don't really want to live here. Um, <laughs> although my parents live like in Ann Arbor, where I went to school at Michigan, and yeah. Ann Arbor's a great city, uh-huh. so I might move back there eventually. But I guess it was just upon graduation, I was like, nah. I'm yeah, you want you here. want like a new something, new. something sh- yeah, shake things up. Yeah, and uh, like I thought about moving to Denver, Colorado. My brother was out there at the time, but like, and I actually visited him shortly after moving to Chicago, 
And like, that's one of the things that came up is the like, I'm glad I didn't because like, you really can't get anywhere there without a car. Uh, and I don't like have, I don't have a car. Right. So, no, yeah. So the city atmosphere. a lot of good public transportation op- options in Chicago. And overall, I would say one of the great things about just being in a city as big as that with all those options is that like, I go to concerts all the time. Mm. Like there's so many options. I would say I'm pretty big into music in general and like. I try to follow a lot of the artists that I'm into on either some form of social media or also like there's certain apps that'll notify you when concerts nearby are happening for like artists you listen to. And there's just so many of them that I can literally just take a train to or like walk to. That's awesome. Like personally, I'm like a 10 minute walk from the United Center, Mm. which is where the Bulls play. Oh, Um, Which is all right because there's, well, there's, that particularly there's not like that many bars near the stadium in the immediate vicinity which means that the bars near me are always like super busy during basketball season and hockey season which is kind of annoying but like i went to see tyler the creator there oh that's sick yeah i went to see tyler the creator there i was actually going to see kendrick lamar there but uh, that was this week and i was out here so i sold those yeah kendrick Um, lamar was just here yeah yeah and, and then i'm seeing like in october i'm seeing gorillas at the oh, United Center, I love the Gorillas, dude. Yeah, I wonder if their con- I'm not, like I wonder if their concerts are like really good. Um, Kendrick Lamar, I've heard like Kendrick Lamar's concerts are just like crazy. Like he just puts so much like effort into them. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing I've definitely heard. I've I've been the he's honestly one of the first rappers that I really got into. I used to mainly listen to like rock back in the day, mm. just from like what my dad listened to really, and then. Um, I think I was in like eighth grade around the time like Good Kid Mad City came out Mm. and I've been a huge fan of Kendrick since but like still never seen him live because like for the past five years he didn't release any music I know yeah he kind of went off the grid there yeah so but like yeah I've heard his breath control is crazy like I remember hearing that back in the day that he does like a lot of cardio so that his which is good because a lot of rappers have like really shitty live shows really there's a lot of rappers that I try not to go see those people as much. Like, but like, like a good example is like I'm big in I really like uh, Young Thug's music, mm. but like him and sort of like Gunna, Lil Baby, those type of rappers, just like when they're performing, just like their DJ will put on the beat, and it won't even be like just the beat. It'll be like the actual song, so their vocals are still on it, and they're oh, just sort of like yeah. rapping over it. And only doing like half the words. It's just like really shit. Oh yeah, no, I've heard that. I've like seen that in videos. Yeah, that I can totally see how that would take away from that. Uh, but I'm sure Kendrick Lamar doesn't do that, knowing his style. I don't. I haven't really been to a lot of concerts. I gotta start going to more. My the only concert I've ever been to was Russ. Really? Yep. Which is a pretty bad only concert to <laughs> yeah, go to. Yeah, I was about to say you gotta branch out. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, hopefully once it's usually money is the reason why I haven't been to more concerts, but hopefully once I start making a little bit of money, I would love to go like actually go to like a lot of concerts, especially like, like anything like rolling loud or any of those like big, huge festivals. Like, yeah, I've definitely been to, um, a couple festivals this summer, went to, um, pitchfork music festival, which is in Chicago. And it's like literally two blocks from my apartment at like a park which is really nice. Holy um, crap, that's awesome. Yeah, I went to all three days of that this summer. Caught COVID there, which was unfortunate. Um, was it bad? Like the symptoms? Yeah. Yeah, 
Oh, that it sucks. I figured at this bad. point, like, it would have been, like, not that bad because seems like COVID's right. kind of, like... Well, I kind of... I haven't... Get, this is the first time I got it. Yeah. And I I guess I got two vaccinations way back when it, though it first came out. Right. I never got a booster, though, so that might have had an impact. I, I just got know. COVID myself, too. But mine was, like, not bad at all. Like, I was literally sick for, like, a day, and then I was, like, fine. Yeah, it's nice. I was I was pretty bad for, like, two or three days. But um, regardless, still fun to go to that festival. I also went to Lollapalooza mm-hmm. one day of Lollapalooza this year. But, like, in past years, I've done all four days. Holy I've done shit. done that twice before. How much did it cost to go to Lollapalooza? Uh, this year, I think one day was, like, 125 bucks. Okay. And four days was probably like what, like six, four hundred or something. Yeah, yeah, probably somewhere around four hundred. Wow, Jesus Christ! To me, that's still like a fuck ton of money, you know, because yeah. I don't have any money. Really. Yeah, it, de- it all depends on like the lineup. Like when you go, it's really I try to like go through the lineup and imagine like how much I would want to pay to go see an artist in concert. Yeah, and usually like for a festival that I end up wanting to buy a ticket for, they'll add up to like more than the ticket price. Yeah. Okay. Like I went to see like this year the one day of Lollapalooza it was 125 bucks. I saw uh, these two bands, Idols and Turnstile, mm. and then J. Cole was the oh, headliner. That's awesome. So I mean between those three was definitely like no problem paying that much money to go right. see all three of them. Was J. Cole good to watch? Yeah, J. Cole's awesome. Jake Cole was fucking awesome. Um, I think about this a lot because I, I feel like it's one thing to like make good music and another thing to like have good concerts. Yeah, absolutely. Which is like interesting. I always wonder like like the rappers that I like or the artists that I like, like if they're actually like good in person. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. There's a, like a lot of people that can produce great music on their own but don't have as good of a live presence. And, I, and there's definitely a lot of people that still try to put work into that if they're not as good at it, I guess. But yeah. uh, And it can also depend on the genre of music, like what type of show it's going to be like. Yeah, totally. Like, obviously, um, like when it comes to like something like EDM, they put a lot of work into producing the music. But like the actual show is usually more of like a DJ set right. where they're like mixing in their music with a bunch of other artist songs and you might not hear a particular song for more than like two minutes right because right. they're going into something next yeah 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 that's interesting yeah do you have any uh like hobbies um i guess like not that i can think of off the top of my head we already talked a little bit about like this is obviously what i do for work but like right. i'm also kind of into software development a little bit in my free time yeah like i'm really into i guess this is kind of something i mainly the main motivation was like getting projects to put on a resume but like i built a um, machine learning model oh that like crunches data to um to like project nba scores and i tried to use it to like bet on the nba whoa and use it to do that it was it was our results were all right 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 yeah but um that's so cool yeah so like things like that i kind of get into that's kind of like even though it's what i do for work it's also kind of a hobby yeah um i guess that means you're on the right path then yeah if your hobbies are close to your actual job yeah yeah some people might say like oh if you turn your hobby into your job then it's not fun anymore Mm -hmm. but like if you keep the two relatively separate then it can still be interesting and it's nice too like if you know certain decisions at work are being driven by 
the business, you can sort of ignore ignore those in your own personal work. Right. You can really do whatever you want. It's all up to you. How did you go about um, like building a machine learning model to do that? Uh, at first, I put a lot of research into like what advanced statistics could be used to like predict this. Like, what are the sort of have you ever seen the movie Moneyball? Uh, yes. Like so, he, with Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like Billy Bean came up with these sort of Moneyball statistics, as they're referred to nowadays. Right. Where um, that like were thought of as crazy at the time, but like ended up are now like standard metrics. Yeah, like on base age. percentage or like whatever. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like things that people thought were absurd. Yeah. Like I've I read a lot of like research papers tr- of people trying to come up with. Moneyball statistics of like basketball uh-huh. and different advanced statistics that you could use to predict games. One of the ones that came up is um like it's called regularized adjusted plus minus. Okay. And it essentially looks at every game or not every game, but every um it breaks the game down into what's called stints. Mm-hmm. So like let's say you start the game and you've got the starting five for each team. They play for the first five minutes and then two players on one team get subbed out that whole five minute period is counted as like a stint mm-hmm. and from there you would calculate in that whole five minute stint how many possessions were there for each team and also what was the point differential right so if there was like let's say a five point uh point differential for the home team and there were like 20 possessions you essentially like regularize them so you come up with sort of like a point differential per possession between these two teams and then kind of like it's been a while since i even like went in deep into the weeds on Mm -hmm. like how this is like calculated and why it works yeah but like essentially but the thing is i would see like um full season sort of statistics like the research papers would be something like here's how the stat works and then we wrote this code to calculate it using play-by-play data and then here's the result and right. they give you, like, the full season. You know, LeBron James had a RAPM of, like, 5.8. Right. And then Steph Curry was 5.5. And then – but I needed to do this for – the key to, like, really, like, having an automated solution for this yeah. is being able to, for an individual game, like, yeah. calculate what – really, in terms of, like, back, what's called back testing mm-hmm. on, like, sports betting would be, like, get me the data – that was from whatever the beginning of the season up to the day this game happened. Like you can't obviously predict a game that happened on July 1st. If you're using a bunch of the data that happened after that. Yeah. But that's kind of hard to come by when it comes to advanced statistics, because like, I like, like if you come up with, if you find a guy that gives you the full season, like ratings, the RAPM rating, so to speak for all these players, I essentially needed to come up with a way to calculate that on my own for like a certain slice of time. Mm. So like if the Lakers are playing, I need to come up with LeBron's player rating for the full season up to like December. Right. Hey, so I have a joke. Yeah, go ahead. So why can't you take a picture of a man? Why can't you take a picture of a man with a wooden leg? Um, Something to do with the flash. Because wooden legs can't take pictures. Wooden legs can't take pictures. Thank you, you too. Hey. What are you guys doing? Uh, it's a podcast. Can we talk about anything? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, yeah. The Dallas Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl this year. 
You think so? I absolutely do think so. <laughs> I guess we'll see. We will we will know. We should use your machine learning thing to predict that. <laughs> I don't think it's going to work. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, God is real. That's funny. Nice to meet you, man. And having heard this joke, I I'm not one to really like get jokes quickly. So I spent about like 15 minutes thinking about the joke, re-listening to the joke, and I still don't get it. It makes no sense to me. So my only conclusion is that it's just a bad joke. Um, I don't know why I felt the need to interrupt this podcast to say that, but I I couldn't help it i had invested too much time in listening to this joke yeah that guy was tripping <laughs> uh are yeah are are you what fan are you of like uh mainly fan? when it comes to like football and basketball i'm mainly like in terms of fandom where like you get really upset when they lose yeah. mainly just michigan okay like college um football and basketball the I'm obviously I'm from Michigan, so like kind of root for Detroit sports teams, but they all really suck right now. Right. And I'm sort of of the mentality of like people make fun of like fair weather fans, but like if you're gonna stake your emotional well being on a team, fair weather fandom is smart. What is fair weather fandom? You're only a fan when they're good. Oh, uh, okay, 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 okay. I see, I get that. If you like my friends yeah, like are the all Cubs or something. My friends are all uh fans of the Tigers. Uh-huh. And I don't know if you follow baseball at all. Not too much. But they suck. Yeah. They're really bad. They have, like, a historically bad offense. Uh-huh. Like, their offense, at least maybe to this point in the season, they've had some improvement. Probably not. But, um, like, with, like, maybe a month or so ago, it was, like, their stats up to this point in the season was, like, just the worst in the modern era of baseball. Oh, like, wow. Holy crap. But they still watch the games, like, every day. Uh-huh. And I'm like find other hobbies like <laughs> find other things to do with your life that don't involve just one of the worst teams in baseball yeah it's gonna involve a lot of disappointment now that guy's a cowboys fan uh-huh. so like you know he's in one of the worst divisions in football so you get a lot of good wins that way they won their division last year but haven't really been able to make it deep into the playoffs at all right so right right good luck on winning the super bowl <laughs> i guess I'll, we'll see yeah we'll see what happens yeah, you never know. Wait, so um, y- you put your algorithm to the test, and you said the results were like kind of mixed. Yeah, I like um, I had sort of like ran it. It it like funny enough, I had like an internship that summer. I worked on this a lot during COVID, and I had like an internship that luckily um, was just like went remote. They just like sent me a laptop, and I would just work remote for them, yeah. which is solid. That is pretty nice. And one of the weeks that summer, they had, like, uh, called Innovation Week, where, like, you were sort of encouraged to just work on projects that just interested you and, like, could be for the benefit of the company, but could also just be you learning a new skill of Mm -hmm. some sort. And, um, like, one of the guys on my team was literally just like, I'm going to learn this new programming language. And I sort of was just like, yeah, I'm going to work on an existing project uh, involving machine learning. And that's all I said. I wasn't going to be like, yeah, I'm going to work on my sports betting right, algorithm. Right, right. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to work on a machine learning project. Yeah, it sounds more impressive if you say it that way. Exactly. Um, and I literally just spent all 40 hours of that week grinding Whoa. on my NBA machine learning. 
and then one day I just like wrote the code to actually like simulate, like sort of get the data up to this day, calculate it, and then use it to predict all the scores for that day. Okay. And then based on like if there was a certain, um, like based on different thresholds, like let's say I predict home team to win by 10 and they're only favored to win by four and there's like a difference of six, there's a difference of six there. Basically, if there, you had like, let's say a threshold of five and a half. So if the difference is more than five and a half, bet that direction. Okay. I was just, and I just ran, and like up to this point, I've been working on this for like months. Mm. And if it just doesn't work, it just doesn't work. Right. I've still got like a lot of this data. Like I've got all this code that can automatically, you know, uh, pull all this data in. So like it's still valuable, but like, let's see if this shit works. And, um, does it get better over time? Not really. I mean, no, because like every time you're really like starting fresh, it's not like uh, people. A lot of people think of like AI as like this like Skynet Terminator right. type shit. Yeah. But r- really, it's sort of like a complex math problem. Yeah. It's sort of like learning from the data you give it, and really doesn't have much in the way of like an actual memory. Right. So it's not really getting better over time. Now it might get better with uh, more data yeah. or higher quality data. But, um, yeah, it all depends on that, really. And uh, and then as the sort of the bubble kind of went on, so this was all during COVID when there was no sports at all. Right. Then the bubble hit, and it was kind of betting on it a little bit, like using it. And it had, like, a decent record in practice. Yeah. But then, like, at some point I, I wrote, um, like, a lot of the co- – it was a ton of code, and it was kind of really shitty. Why? Um, just like, I learned a lot later on that like the way you structure, especially like a large program, yeah. the way you structure it can have like a vast impact on how easy it is to maintain. So if you discover a certain bug, it might be super hard to fix it if you like have built it in a difficult way. Right. Whereas if you organize it from the start in the right way and sort of plan it out a little bit better, it could be really easy to tweak and maintain. And like, let's say if I wanted to swap out a new data provider, like one of the data providers, I was the main data provider that I use, like I pay a website essentially yeah. to give me some you know server I can send requests to to get data. Like I wanted to switch to a new one of those, and it would have been an insane amount of work to like switch over. Right, because like maybe the format isn't the same. Yeah, or something. exactly. Right. Whereas if I had structured it from the start to think about that, then I could have built it in a way where I could switch over relatively easily. Oh. Things like that, and just sort of like all that what's referred to as like tech debt, like technical debt. Like when you write a program, it might be faster for you to just sort of hack it together quickly. But the technical debt of like how, you know, poorly written it was and sort of hacked together at the time will all add up. And eventually, so to speak, you'll have to pay that technical debt. Right, because it'll be brutal to like tweak it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. Interesting. When you want to add new features, it'll make it much more difficult in the end. Things like that. Interesting. That's super cool. Yeah, eventually I sort of learned the error of my ways. So, like, I'm at the point where maybe I'll I'll salvage certain parts of it and copy and paste from what I already have. But, like, at this point, I might just, like, start anew right. on sort of a new data. Because it's too hard to, like, tweak yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'm sure if you built it up again that it would be like a hundred times better just right and from like, what you already know. Yeah, and I guess to get back to how I started on that sort of tangent was like when I see that the performance is like middling a little bit and like not that good, I could tweak different things or, you know, explore like, oh, maybe if I try this different method and let's, okay, let's back test this on the past three seasons and see how it performs. It was just not very easy for me to do that. So like making small tweaks to it over time just became difficult because of how it was written and built. Wow. I've always been very intimidated by like uh, machine learning and stuff like that. Like we did a project where we would like, we would basically try to like, we had like a certain amount of pictures of like a cat or a dog and we were building an algorithm to like be able to predict whether something was a cat or a dog based on like the average of like all these like training sets. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Right before I had gotten into the whole NBA thing, I had just taken a class on machine learning and we, we had a project that was just like that, like a computer vision sort of thing. We had to um, like predict what the different types of food were. Right. It was like pictures of like cake, soup, Uh sandwich, things like that. And you had to pick like, you had to essentially write an algorithm to like classify. Holy crap. How did you go about that? Did you just like average a bunch it of was, pictures of soup? That was like, like more guided in a way. Yeah. Um, those projects, which was good. But like you sort of, um, you like build an algorithm that sort of takes the data of the image kind of. Like you can think of each pixel like right. RGB values. Yeah. So like the red, green, blue, you sort of create an algorithm that auto encodes those, mm. so to speak. And also, if you've got an image that's, like, high resolution, you sample that down, so to speak. Like, you average out all the pixels in a certain area to where it's lower resolution so that it's easier to actually run calculations on it, kind of. And based on sort of the... There's something called convolution, where it's essentially um, running almost like a filter over the image. So if you've got an area of three by three pixels, yeah, it's like an area of nine total pixels, you might run a filter over it that um, takes that calculates a certain value of like all the edges, maybe. Uh-huh. And you might also do one that's more of like a checkerboard type filter. So it adds like, you know, like you if you imagine like a checkerboard, the let's say all the black tiles versus the white tiles, it adds up all the black tiles. Whereas another filter might add up all the white tiles and then one filter adds them this way and that way. And sort of all these filters can sort of extract like different sort of kind of features of the image. Uh And somehow that ends up like working as like a sort of like being able to and also. Yeah. And then you feed it enough uh, training data where like it takes all the filters of a certain image and sort of compiles them all into a certain representation of data and then you tell it this was a cake. Right, right, right. And you give it enough examples of this is a cake, this is a soup, that it can sort of give you sort of like a um, prediction in terms of even like percentages, what things are. Wow. So like you, you would give it a fresh image and it would say, it would try and like fit that image data to what it already knows. And it would say like um, the soup is like, let's say, 0.7 meaning like 70% chance that yeah. it thinks it's a soup or and and so on for all the other various you know categories wow that's so cool it makes me think of like uh I, google's been like installing a lot of cool features into their search engine like you can literally like search images now yeah. 
which is like so cool. Like I can literally go on my phone and like search. Like the other day I needed my passport. I searched passport and my passport showed up. So like you can literally search for images and it can like know what things are in the images, which is like just astounding, honestly. So cool. Yeah, it's also kind of scary. I know. Yeah, that side of is inevitable. We'll never stop. It's it's too enticing and too cool, you know? Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It'll be exciting to see these next like 15, 20 years where it goes. I mean, it could be really bad, but like still it'll be exciting to see where it goes. We're we're here for the ride. I know. Yeah, I'm we're not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see yourself ever working in like a sort of uh, artificial intelligence job kind of type thing? Maybe. It's definitely kind of something that interests me. Honestly, like uh, like I said, I kind of work in like front end yeah. sort of development, which I always thought was kind of like not – I don't know exactly what to refer to it as, but like I never thought of it as like real coding Yeah. because like sort of the actual like back end and other like data management is sort of like – I thought of that as like real coding in terms of like structuring data in a certain way. Whereas like front end was just like you said, the HTML and mm. CSS and more of like visual work. Right. Like you're more of like visually designing something. But then once you get into the more complicated websites, it's uh, and sort of I was just sort of um, the first job I got out of college was uh, front end. And then from there, it's just sort of been all that my experience is. Right. But eventually, yeah, I would have kind of like to get into maybe a little artificial intelligence type yeah. of work or like cloud computing is also something that I oh think yeah is that's really that's i feel like cloud computing is something that like i think of in my head as like something i just don't understand at all like it's such a vague term yeah it's really i mean it can be confusing at times but yeah. really the best way to think about it is like your so you're like existing, you're like let's say your laptop or your phone has like a processor that does processing right. and storage that handles, you know, all of the things you store on it. Whereas like cloud computing generally is structured in a way where it's um, it's sort of like different components of the computer split out almost. So like you can, in, in the most basic elements, you can just essentially be running a virtual computer that's in the cloud and you can access Wow! that you only pay for what you're using. Like you maybe pay per hour. Okay. Uh, so you could open up um, on Am Amazon is the most popular like cloud computing yeah. provider. And um, you can uh, just like spin up a virtual computer and go on there and use it to you know run. Like I could, I could just spin up an instance of, like a virtual machine is what it's referred to as an instance of a virtual machine and then just run my machine learning algorithm on it if I right. wanted to. But um, as it goes on, sort of they're evolving to offer a lot more like, um, I guess, I don't know what to refer to it as. Like it's always in terms of like the pay per hour kind of pay as you go. But even this, they are sort of breaking it down into like more bite sized computing. Right. Not bite as in like gigabyte. Like, like small size. Yeah, byte is in like small. Yeah. Um, so like, let's say you have a website where like it's 
you have like a e-commerce website okay and somebody places an order instead of having to have like a virtual machine running that's like ready to take in the orders it can be something that's like on demand so you pay for a single usage of like a function. Oh. You know how you write a function in code? Yeah. You can literally write a function that you just upload to the cloud and it runs when you need it. Oh, so you, so so you, you pay get, for what you use. If you get Precisely. Yeah. Pay for what you use. That's literally what they call it on the oh. website. Like pay as you go. Wow. So if you run it 10 times, you'll pay however it costs to run it 10 times. And uh -huh. if you suddenly get 10,000 orders... You won't have to, one, you will pay for just the 10,000, you know, processes that you ran. Yeah. And then more importantly, you won't have to worry about like your server crashing. Why is that? Because Amazon has it set up in a way where like this specific model, it's kind of built into the, the pricing model almost, but like it's what's called like infinitely scalable almost mm -hmm. where Normally, if you had, like, let's say one virtual machine instance and it's running and let's say it can theoretically process a thousand orders per hour. Yeah. It could realistically do much more than that. But let's say a thousand orders per hour. And then all of a sudden one hour you get 10,000 orders. Yeah. Like you got a big sale going on. You get 10,000 orders. In all likelihood, if you just had that one virtual machine and you were all kind of doing it on one singular thing like that, it would crash. It would crash. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Whereas I see what you're saying. If, um, if you were doing it with the pay-as-you-go with the functions, on AWS it's called Lambda, mm. Amazon Web Services. It's called Lambda. It might run that Lambda 10,000 times, and they'll handle all of the scaling up. Okay. Right. So, like, in terms of, or you can also kind of handle it this isn't even only applicable in terms of um the pay as you go it can also uh be applied to like the virtual machines mm. so if there's a certain um you can set up what's called like a scaling group and let's say you, you start out with one machine and you say okay if like the cpu is being used at like 90 percent like if the cpu is running at 90 percent then let's add another one so right. they can and it'll scale between them and oh. now you've got two machines handling all your traffic wow so really it's the benefits of it are like you use what you need in terms of like computing versus let's say you don't really need that much computing but you store a lot of data so you can have like different types of databases on there that have different levels of um read or write throughput essentially so like if you're writing to something a lot like you're sending a lot of requests that are modifying like a record in a database. Yeah. It can handle that. Or let's say maybe you don't write to it a lot. You don't make a lot of changes, but a lot of people are reading from it. Uh -huh. Like, so you have a website where like um, a lot of people are just viewing it and sort of reading the contents. Yeah, like, like a, a blog. database or something. Like imagine a blog. Yeah, yeah. You only write one blog post a week, but several thousand people are seeing it every week then you're getting a lot of reads and they can sort of adapt it to that use case. Oh, so they can categorize as for what it's actually needed. Right, right. Much more tailored. Yeah, and then infinitely scalable and also like you can imagine if, it's almost like the concept of like buying in bulk. Like if you wanted to run your own server, you'd have to buy all the server components and then set it all up yourself and then have it running and have to worry about maintaining it. Yeah. With AWS, they sort of handle all of it themselves. And, like, imagine people buying the servers in bulk and then letting other people use them. They kind of, like, 
it's not like I, I don't want to say they're buying in bulk and passing the savings off to you, but like the fact that they handle so much traffic right. means that like it's easier for them. In many cases, it'll be cheaper unless yeah. you're like doing a ton like yourself. Right. Unless you're doing like a ton of traffic and are like want to super optimize your setup to what you're doing, it can usually help you save like a lot of money. Oh right, because they're so good at it and they have the infrastructure for it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That's kind of that's like it's an honestly like absurd percentage of their either revenue or profit. I'm not sure which one it is. Yeah. I actually I heard that too. I don't think they post a lot of profit, so it's probably not that. In fact, I think they might be still running it like a negative. Yeah. Because they just invest so much more back into growing the business. Because Amazon's trying to take over the world. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? But um but yeah, it's uh the AWS handles like over I think it's over 50% of Amazon's revenue is just from and like if it crashes like half the internet crashes cuz so many people run on their That's servers crazy. and their infrastructure. Something that I I find like like I'm curious about is like how do they keep up with like the demand for like server space? Like I feel like it must be growing at like a really fast pace. Yeah, I don't know. That's it's, a good question. It's, it's just mind-boggling. Amazon is a big company, you know? They make a lot of money and they have a lot of server space for people to host their websites and other things like that. Now, if you're tired of paying really cheap prices to host your website, then I think you should consider Alvaro Servers. Alvaro Servers is a server company that has servers. They have servers so that you can put your website on their servers. So if you're tired of paying really, really cheap prices for incredible service, then I think you should switch to Alvaro servers. Now back to this podcast. You know Netflix actually has all of their content through Amazon Web Services? Uh, their video content, they do not. Oh, really? That's a common misconception. Oh. They host um, they host their, uh, their website and stuff on there. Yeah. But the actual video streaming happens from their own servers. I believe. Oh, what's, okay. And what's interesting is that like um, a lot of these companies have like engineering blogs where they literally just make blog posts on how certain things work. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Uber like made a blog post recently on how they have like for Uber Eats and normal Uber and then other various things, they mm. other various products they have. There's one unified like sort of login and registration um, flow for it. Right. And um, without saying too much, I kind of work on something similar in my job. Um, and it's always interesting to see like companies go into that on their engineering blogs of how things work. And more specifically, Netflix's engineering blog like goes into the video streaming. Yeah. Because they in- handle such an insane amount of like. Like streaming video like that, I don't even know that much about it. I just yeah, know that like me neither. There's an insane amount of like specialized hardware for like encoding all those videos that like it would be astronomically high to do on like AWS, right? And possibly maybe impossible. Like wow. So yeah, it's a kind of, like people think oh that Netflix runs on AWS and AWS loves to push that. Yeah, Netflix runs on us. They don't really. Most of the video streaming happens from Netflix's own infrastructure. Wow. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, they have so much content. Right. And it's only like accelerated. I mean, they drop shit like so much faster than they used to. It's just interesting how they like can keep it all together. You know. Mm-hmm. I, I read this article one time about how 
um, a lot of companies run like um, like they almost simulate like their software being hacked. What, what was the tool? It was like it was like monkey something or whatever. But basically, they're like simulating some like a like a software hack of some kind yeah, to yeah. strengthen their own software. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of different types of like it's called. Um, one term is like penetration testing. Yeah. They try to like break into their own system almost. And there are other different types of like sort of hack. And a lot of companies will not even necessarily try to get their own staff to do it. They will literally just like hire hackers. Wow. Like to just be like, hey, try to break into our system. Or like they'll do a sort of work on sort of like more of a bounty system. Uh-huh. What's like a bounty system? Where like. They'll say uh, they'll offer people money to expose bugs. Whoa! Like, yeah, like open o- open software, or whatever. Open source. Open source. Kind of in in some cases, yes, but also just like it, just their own closed source software. They'll say like if you can find bugs in the software or security vulnerabilities, we'll pay you for them. Wow! And that's honestly that's another thing I think. I don't know if I heard about it on Joe Rogan, or I think I also, I think I mainly heard more about it on uh, Lex Friedman's podcast. Uh-huh. I don't know if you are no, familiar no, with No, I've him. never heard of it. He is a, um, he's been on Joe Rogan like several times. He's a computer science professor at, I believe, MIT. <laughs> Damn. And um, I think works on a lot of AI shit. Yeah. But um, he's got his own podcast. Um He's one of these, like, intellectual people that, like, went on Joe Rogan once, and now they're, like, an internet celebrity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And acts really weird because of it. <laughs> but regard- we don't need to go into Lex yeah, Freeman. Yeah. But I remember he- seeing some video on, like, the sort of culture of, like, these hackers where, like, they find these exploits and then just, like, auction them. They just, like, literally make a living with just... Like finding exploits in like let's say something big with Microsoft, yeah, and then Microsoft pays them like millions of dollars for Whoa. exploits. Holy crap! I, the term I heard for it was like day one exploits. Like I don't, which I forget what the real meaning behind that is. I, the name suggests to me like the day something comes out, they already have like an exploit, um, right? But I don't really know how that works. That's so cool that you could literally just make a living off trying to break other people's shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, a lot of people like that. I think the like the government and FBI and shit like that is trying to like hire, but in many cases it's tough for them because they still like drug test. Yeah. And a lot of people like that are not really going to be able to pass a right. drug test <laughs> or yeah. like to get like the top secret sort of clearances. I know. They'll literally interview you and be like, "Have you taken any illegal drugs in the past five years?" Oh. And you're on like a polygraph. <laughs> so I mean, like five years. Holy shit. Or I like, actually, oh, in some cases, I think like they're like, "Have you ever smoked weed?" Wow, <laughs> like, it's actually funny you bring. I actually lo- this summer I was supposed to have a job at the same job I had I had last summer at like a municipality, and I lost the job because I'd like I'd like smoked weed in the past like thirty days, and it came up in the test, and I like lost the job for this summer. That's tough. It sucks that it's illegal federally because like. Even if it's, like, legal at a state level, it, it just doesn't matter if you're, like, getting a job for a government. Yeah, yeah that was a tough loss. But actually, I, I think I think it was for the best because, like, I don't know. I got to spend time looking for a job that I really wanted and also to do this shit. And it just relaxed, too. People are so anxious to, like, find a job right out of college. Right. Got to take a little time off. Yeah. 
I almost wish I would have done that maybe a little bit. I guess I kind of had like most of a summer, but that's about it. Yeah. Well, same here. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. All right, man. I'll Sounds leave good. you. I'll Sounds leave you good. to yeah. it. But it, it was, nice it was great you talking to you. Likewise. Yeah. Good luck at. Uh, Thank you. It's hard, you know, knowing how to like end an episode. I always tell myself that I like, what do I tell myself? I don't know. I guess I, I, I always, I always really want to end podcasts in some sort of like spectacular and creative way. But it's difficult to like think of any creative ideas beyond the ordinary like, oh, this is a great podcast. Like, hope you enjoyed it. Like, please subscribe like this and that and this and that. Um, but one thing I will say about this podcast that I think, you know, just to share a little bit of my side and what it was like to like make this podcast like. It was super educational, um, both like in an in an intellectual way w- with like learning about all the software and like all these cool things that Drew was into, but also learning how to like navigate conversations and how to like keep things going. Um, I think that that was like a little scary to just like do, um, but it's like very appealing. And I think that like, it's a good skill to have because I really think people are like the greatest resource out there. You can learn from people in like much faster ways than from textbooks or things like that. You can make connections through people and like find people that you need to do accomplish certain tasks. And you can also just like spend, I could spend like an, limitless amount of time listening to the stories that people have i mean it people are amazing so i i'm really excited to like send this podcast out to you guys um i i hope you like it um and if you don't that's okay too um you've made it this far into the podcast so um something must have kept you listening so whatever it was i uh i really hope you have a nice day um that you take a risk you know go out there today try something you haven't done make yourself feel uncomfortable and that's all